Welcome to Trumpet Dynamics, telling the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. Bringing the finest trumpeters from around this planet Earth, sharing their stories that will thrill and inspire your trumpet journey, here's your host, James Newcomb. Waters, of course, is spelled with two T's, so you can find Harry at harrywaters.com. So, Harry, get us up to speed. What is going on in your world? There's a lot going on. Well, James, I feel very fortunate. Uh, I was able to uh, complete my uh, service with the United States Army Band, uh, Pershing Zone, uh, playing with the Army Blues. In January, I retired with 22 years of service, and uh, since then, I've been doing a lot of teaching, a lot of traveling, and... Uh, my family and I are about to go out to Breckenridge for a music festival, and then we're going to be going up to uh, South Dakota for another music festival. So we're uh, we're incorporating family time with music time, and uh, it doesn't get any better than that. What is one thing that is different about your life outside of the military? Uh, I find that I have a lot more flexibility to focus on the things that uh, that I really, really enjoy. Uh, when I was with the Army Blues, however, I... That was a dream job in a lot of ways. I got to play with the, some of the greatest musicians in the world, uh, including Graham Breedlove, whom you uh, interviewed earlier. Yes. And uh, it was a tremendous honor to be able to do that. And I do miss them terribly, but uh, I do enjoy the flexibility of being able to accept uh, invitations uh, at a moment's notice to go off and, uh, and do some appearances. And I can also take my family, as I said, um, with, those, with those chances. So yeah, life is good. Very nice. Well, Harry is widely respected as a you know, just a phenomenal trombone player, and I've heard you play a couple of times. And just I think that was it the flight of the bumblebee that you're able to do. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's just thank you, thank you. I mean, for you, it's My, probably uh, just like tying your shoes. <laughs> oh no, no, James! I have to, I have to, re, I have to relearn that every single time I perform it. Really? Oh yes, I don't. Uh, I don't give myself permission to play it unless I slow it way down and go go with all the alternate positions at a very slow tempo again and again and work it work it back up and then I feel confident enough. But it's all about preparation. Well, let's talk about that in just a minute. But um, I'd like to talk about peak musical performance and to reach the peak, you have to go through a few valleys. So take us to a moment where you would consider to be one of your worst moments as a performer, just a time where you thought that you were going to kill it, and for whatever reason, you just came up short? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I would probably go back to 1990 uh, at the University of New Orleans for my master's recital. Uh, I was performing mostly classical literature, and I was excited about that. But I think probably in my own mind, I was spreading myself too thin because at night I was also uh, leading a band called the Dukes of Dixieland, mm -hmm. uh, six nights a week on Bourbon Street. And um, we would perform every night until one o'clock in the morning. And then I would, I had a key to the music building at the University of New Orleans. And then I would go in and practice on stage, which I encourage everyone to do, but I would go and practice on stage uh, at UNO. And I wasn't getting a lot of sleep, and I wasn't managing my time the way I should have. So my concentration level 
was not at its highest when I, whenever I took the stage. And so in my own mind, I didn't feel like I played to my my standards that I would have liked to have had. So that was, in my own mind, my most disappointing performance. However, you know, I think a lot of this has to do with managing lots of different things in your life. Because looking back, I kind of smiled. What was going on in my life at that point was relatively mild, but at the time it seemed like a big deal. I, I didn't have family obligations. I only had a, a nighttime job and I was going to graduate school. But to me, right then, it just seemed like a lot. So I think probably it's important to be able to uh, step back and manage all the things that are going on in your life and just stay relaxed. Well, let's talk about this this moment. For, for you, it was disappointing. In your mind, you didn't like reach your potential as a performer, but... What if I was in the audience? Like, I'm a trumpet player. I don't know that much about trombone. Uh, would I have been in the audience and thinking, man, Harry just isn't on top of his game right now? Uh, you might have. There were mm-hmm. a few notes that uh, that were split, and trumpet players always hear those. <laughs> <laughs> and comment on them whenever possible. Yes, yes. I can do that better. <laughs> so there were, there were a few of those. Uh, I tried to convey a sense of confidence on stage, but I could probably uh, say back, looking back, that I appeared and sounded somewhat nervous. And that was a period of my life where I just had too much going on in my mind and I felt somewhat overwhelmed. But uh, I took that as a learning, a teachable moment. And I said to myself, I'm not going to feel like that anymore when I take the stage. I'm really going to work to uh, be in control of the situation. Uh, I'm going to control my environment. I'm not going to let my environment control me. What do you think you could have done differently to have a better outcome? You know, at that point, at that stage of my life, absolutely nothing. But I had to have that experience to be able to be more professional and to be more effective in my preparation. So moving forward, things things got a lot better. Very, very quickly. <laughs> what are some things that you that you changed? Uh, developing a, a more zen-like approach. I read a book called uh, The Inner Game of Tennis. Yes. And it's a fantastic book. Fantastic book. And it really talks about self one and self two and going about uh, pre- preparing in a way that stays relaxed, uh, stays effortless. And... Uh, since then, it's it's been a completely different ball game. Well, you're not the first person to mention that book, and several have mentioned it, and so much so that I put it on the homepage of the podcast website, which is musicalmindmastery.com. You'll see it right there. All right. Excellent. So um, we've already talked about a time where you weren't at your best, but I want to talk, let's break down this process of preparing for the, what do you call it, the flight of the Harry Waters Bee or something, or... Well, not only that, but just any anything else. It's just uh, it's a series of of steps that I mm-hmm. have to take. Number one is record. You have okay. to record yourself whenever you're mm-hmm. whenever you're getting ready for something, and um, that could be either on an iPhone app or, a, better yet, some sort of professional recording device, uh, because you really want to become your own best teacher. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is what you're listening back to doesn't lie. The recording doesn't lie uh, uh, for good or bad. And when you're listening back, James, you want to have a sense of 
detachment, hmm. almost as if it's somebody else. Because if you're too emotionally involved listening back to this recording, you can drive yourself crazy. You could you could congratulate yourself if it sounds better than you thought it was going to be, or if it wasn't up to your standards, you could beat yourself up. But you want to listen back almost like you're a record producer hmm. and you're getting something ready to be released on a Summit Records CD or some other reputable label. And your job is to identify the points that need editing or repair in, uh, in Pro Tools. And then just identify that like, uh, for instance, oh, measure two, uh, beat three, that E flat is high. So you're going to put a down arrow above it. And it's amazing how fast uh, your arc of development on a particular musical passage can, can be raised just by listening back in an efficient, relaxed manner with a pencil in hand. Uh, the second one would be, of course, to memorize. You have to have, in my mind, what you're going to be performing memorized as best as possible. Sometimes that's not feasible, but uh, the more you listen to a professional recording of what you're going to be playing, uh, if, if we're talking the classical realm, memorize your material. And then finally, visualize your environment. And that could be physically going on the stage and picturing yourself in that performance environment uh, and then going through different scenarios. Uh, is it going to be hot? Is it going to be cold? Is it going to be uh, uh, filled with distraction? Hmm. Uh, I will tell you a, a little story about my audition with the Army Band years and years ago. And this was after my, uh, this is after my subpar performance in New Orleans. Uh, I walked into the band building the night before the uh, audition and I found out where they were going to be holding the audition, and I had my suitcase with me, uh, so I, I go onto the stage, I get out the suit from my suitcase, put on my suit, hmm. and I walk up to the spot where I'm going to be performing, and I run every single excerpt, the entire list, and I did that uh, for about two and a half hours, and I gamed different scenarios. Okay, like I said earlier, is it going to be hot? Is it going to be cold? Uh, what is the order going to be? Are they going to shift it around? Uh, so by the by the time I was done with that, James, I had pretty much identified every uh, different combination in my mind that I could be faced with. And I was pretty close, uh, but only because there was a lot of preparation going on. Uh, it also helped to have the clothes that I was going to be wearing on. I found that to be comforting. And the next day it was actually fairly familiar going in with the same suit. Um, and when I, whenever we went in for the I guess it was the warm-up. They had all these trombones in this holding area, and everyone was trying to vibe each other and play high. And I mean, they were <laughs> almost, they, they were they were almost acting like trumpet players, James. <laughs> almost. No one can quite reach that stature of that's, egotistical. That's true. <laughs> and I can say that my brother's a trumpet, a trumpeter too. So I thought to myself, I could try and vibe these cats out, or I could I could just go and go into a, a practice room and think about the previous evening of effortlessly playing all the excerpts hmm. and trying to play to the best of my ability and just enjoying the experience. So I went into a practice room, turned off the lights and just started meditating and thinking about the, the previous night's experience. And when a knock came at the door, they led me out to the stage and, and things went smoothly. But uh, that sort of level of preparation, almost in, a, in an obsessive compulsive way, uh, I found to be very helpful. Well, you were recreating your the performance environment as much as possible. Absolutely. And you yeah. can do that and you can do that anywhere. 
it, it certainly helps to have access to the performance space at least once. Mm-hmm. So if you, so if you uh, don't have access to it after that, at least you can imagine it with your eyes closed when you're running the, the material. Uh, well, let me can really, I can I cut in here? Um, yeah, I, I yeah. was listening to a podcast yesterday, and it's not he's not a musician, but he's talking about he he's a martial arts. He I mean he studies it on the side, but he's talking about what's called flowery hands, and that's what the expert martial artists use to describe those Hollywood moves of the like the the Jackie Chan or the um stuff you see on Hollywood that that looks really cool but in reality puts you at a severe disadvantage because when you're using all of those body movements one you're expending a lot of energy two you don't have your center of balance and really while it looks cool it's really not the best way to fight you're going to get your tail kicked if you try to act that way and that that was that scene in that room that you're describing, it sounds to me like a lot of those other people were using a lot of flowery hands to use that phrase while you just took this attitude of, I'm just going to stay quiet. I've already done my homework. I've already prepared as much as I can. I'm just going to go out there, use this preparation, trust it, and do my best and look at the results. Exactly. Exactly. That's a very, very good way to look at it. And when you're on stage at that point, when it's when the rubber meets the road, you and think about this you care by not caring hmm. i'm writing that down right now you care by not caring expound on that i don't think i need to it pretty much says it all uh nothing can substitute for proper preparation well, i mean what just, do you mean by not caring you just you just let it go you just let it go. You don't worry about a thing. You get up and you trust yourself. And it's, this is also in, in the inner game of tennis. Uh, you let self too just emulate, and mm. you're you are you're a good enough musician inside. You have all your musical tools to just effortlessly let them flow through your horn. But you're not caring about it. If it's memorized, that's even better. Um, but effortless mastery as 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 Kenny Warner would say, is something that you want to go for. Effortless mastery. And you care again. You care by not caring. And it's very liberating. Uh, and if you record those performances where you're really in that mindset, <laughs> uh, I think you're going to be pleased. Hmm. Uh, anyone who anyone who has experienced something like that, they will be pleased with their performance. All right. You care by not caring. Well, mm-hmm. Harry doesn't care about the hot seat questions about which he's about to sit. But before we get into that, let's take a moment (laughs) to thank our sponsor. Harry, you are now on the hot seat. Do you think you can stand the heat? Uh, I don't think so, James. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Help, help. All right. Let's say it's five minutes before you go on stage for uh, a performance. What are you going to be doing? I'm going to be doing virtual practicing until the moment they push me on stage. Period. Uh not necessarily playing, but there'll be some snippets of that. If I'm going to be performing with a large ensemble, I might be on the wings, tuning with the ensemble. Uh, whenever they hit a, a B flat seven or or some sort of you know chord with which I can tune, um, and then I'm going to be drinking water. But I will always have the mouthpiece to my lips because I want to feel that physical contact. 
of the of my lips to the mouthpiece, and then I'm also putting air through the horn. Uh, but it needs to be almost a, a seamless transition from the time I'm off stage to the time I'm walking on stage. It doesn't need to be this. And now Harry Waters. No, no, no. It's just here's Harry Waters, and then I'm sort of blending into the new environment. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received when it comes to performance? Uh, that would be from the principal trombonist uh, back with what was then called the Orlando Symphony Orchestra. Uh, I was taking lessons, getting ready for an audition, and I was concerned about things that I shouldn't be concerned about. He just looked at me and said, Harry, and I'm going to clean this up for the, for the podcast, okay? He said, Harry, just play. All right. That was very good advice, very good advice. I think I can sort of imagine what he would have said, the unclean he, version. He, <laughs> yes, yes. It did make a big impression. All right. Okay, what would you tell someone who is struggling with stage fright? You want to be the, the master of your environment. And, of course, that, uh, that incorporates some of the things we've, we've talked about previously. But um, you want to walk on stage and make this just another arc, in your, another point in your arc of musical development. This is not a major event that's about to happen, or that is happening. This is just something that you're doing. It's a musical snapshot of your progress as a musician. Very nice. Snapshot of your progress. Mm-hmm. I'm furiously taking notes here. This is good stuff here. All right. What is a non-musical activity that helps you succeed as a musician? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, number one, uh, being a dad. Mm. I have, uh, I have, uh, do you have kids, James? I do. I have one. He's three years old. Oh, that's wonderful. So you know the deal. You know the deal. There's, <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing better than being a dad. All right. Uh, we have, we have three kids. They're uh, seven, eight, and nine. Um, we had all three in diapers at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, being, and any parent will, will tell you being a, a parent teaches, uh, patience, unconditional love, uh, joy and how, how to experience joy and also time management so if you uh if you have 12 or 13 minutes in between diaper changes or or in between preparing meals or getting kids to soccer practice uh conveying that you're going to need a, a few minutes to do some some playing and concentrating on music for your kids to see you concentrating at a very high level sends a very powerful message and uh, so I'm, I'm finding out that I might not have nearly the amount of time that I used to have before I was a parent. Uh, my time is much more constrained now. But guess what? I'm a much more efficient practicer. I can get more done in five minutes than I used to get done in, in 45 minutes. Hmm. Yeah. You know, people stress out about all of the things that they're not able to do because of their kids, but they don't think about all of the lessons that their kids teach them. Exactly. All the exactly. books they can't read, all the courses they can't take because of their kids, but so many things the kids teach us. All right, this is the final question of the interview, but it is a doozy. This is like your dream gig scenario. Everything is absolutely perfect. The crowd is on their feet. They're going wild, giving you a standing ovation. They don't want any more. They don't want any less. What have you just done? Tell us where you played, who you played with, what you played. All right, James, this is an excellent question, and uh, I'm not going to be glib or evasive with my answer. 
But my dream gig is always the next one, period. I've had so many musical experiences where I would I walked away thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe this just happened. It could have been with uh, the Dukes of Dixieland at the Hollywood Bowl where I got to MC with Eric Hunzel conducting thousands of people or playing Flight of the Bumblebee with the uh, Army Brass Quintet at Wolf Trap with three and a half million people listening. Uh, or, or it could have been at Walt Disney World with the Yacht Club Jazz Quartet where I'm playing in their steakhouse inside where no one is applauding. And my, my, uh, in that, and in that situation, it would be a trombone, acoustic bass, drums with brushes and, uh, acoustic guitar playing the softest of ballads. And we, wa- and we walk away and no one even knew we were there, but we knew some good music was being played. Uh, so in my mind, it's always the next performance, preparing for that next opportunity to reach out and either connect with an audience or connect with my band members or connect with myself. And I've certainly had so many great opportunities performing with the Army Band, uh, again, with the, uh, with the Brass Quintet, the Army Blues, uh, with the Swamp Romp, with my good buddy Graham Breedlove and uh, our, our, our friends in that ensemble. There have been so many moments of sheer joy that I would not want to single out any sort of performance, any specific performance, other than it doesn't get any better. Just moving ahead and looking forward to the next opportunity to make music. Well, I love that answer for all the right reasons and even a few wrong ones. All right. You can find <laughs> Harry on the web at harrywaters.com, and that's spelled with two Ts, W-A-T-T-E-R-S, harrywaters.com. And also Facebook, look him up, Harry Frank Waters. Is there any other things on the web we should mention? No, just uh, uh, I invite everyone to, to go to summitrecords.com. I have uh, several uh, releases on Summit Records. Also, uh, Trace Sona Records uh, have a new release with... Uh, Pat Sheridan and the wonderful Salt River Brass, uh, the Great American Songbook. Uh, we recorded it out in Mesa, Arizona recently, and I, I think you'll like that. We had a lot of fun recording it. Hey, and James, I really uh, salute everything you're doing on behalf of music education, and uh, this is a labor of love, in interviewing so many musicians, and uh, music is a, is a universal language, and thank you for bringing this musical community closer together. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Trumpet Dynamics, telling the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. Are you a true listener? Visit TrumpetDynamics.com to learn more about the show and subscribe to my email newsletter. You can also find us on Facebook, where we record a live Pay It Forward Friday episode each Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just type in James Newcomb on Trumpet.com into your browser to find the Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we will be in your earballs soon. You're still here. You must like this show or something. Well, I've got a special offer for you for hanging in there to the very end and proving yourself to be a true listener. I have a 
brand new, and it is exclusive for devoted fans of the Trumpet Dynamics podcast. It is called The Secret Chamber of Don Clarino. It's brand new. I don't even know what's going to come of it. I'm honestly not even really involved in it, but I'm contractually obligated to tell you about it as an employee of the Trumpet Dynamics podcast. So if you want to learn more about it, here's the URL, trumpetdynamics.live forward slash DC, trumpetdynamics.live forward slash DC. It's a short registration process and you'll be in there. Okay. I don't know if I'm even allowed to be in there, honestly, but check it out. See if you like it. Later.